Could the year ahead at the State House bring more battles over the separation of powers and the state's handling of the pandemic? We'll hear from House Speaker Todd Houston and talk with Majority Leader Matt Lehman and Minority Leader Phil Giaquenta about some of the emerging debates over school board elections, tax cuts, and marijuana. Plus, Attorney General Todd Rokita and the infrastructure bill signed into law as Congress continues to work on passing more of the president's agenda. It's all ahead right now on this week's edition of In Focus. Well, just ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday, our state's COVID-19 numbers are headed in the wrong direction. Cases on the rise again here and across the country as health officials encourage more people to get vaccinated and boosted with booster shots now broadly recommended for anyone 18 and up. Meantime, Governor Holcomb this week told state lawmakers he'd like to wind down the state's emergency declarations if lawmakers can meet three stipulations. He wants to preserve a program that matches funds for Medicaid expenses and wants to enhance SNAP benefits statewide. He also wants to extend the ability to vaccinate children between the ages of 5 and 11. If lawmakers meet those stipulations, the governor says he'll rescind the orders. Now, this week, former State Health Commissioner Richard Feldman told the AP, quote, if he rescinds the executive order, I think that's a very, very strong message, an unfortunate message to send the public that it's over. We're still in the middle of a pandemic with a high risk for it getting worse. Still, Speaker Todd Houston said Tuesday he thinks it's time. Reaching that point where, you know, we've had vaccinations available, we now have boosters available. Uh, we, we've got, thank goodness, much better therapies available. At some point, you know, we move from a government response to an individual responsibility. The public health emergency is set to expire December 1st, if not renewed. Of course, all of this leading to something of a battle again over the separation of powers in our state. The state Supreme Court will take up uh, some of those lawsuits that have emerged in the spring. The House Speaker made those comments you just heard Tuesday during Organization Day as lawmakers return to the State House to get ready for next year's session. Kristen Escal with me today. You were there Tuesday. No doubt lawmakers have a lot on their plate this year. Well, for sure, Dan. Yeah. And even though it's not a budget writing year, there are a lot of issues on the agenda from education-related controversies to another potential tax cut. With the fall of the gavel, the Indiana legislature kicks off a new session, starting with leadership listing its biggest priorities. House Speaker Todd Houston says education is one area at the top of his agenda, saying lawmakers should take action to improve test scores and make sure parents have a voice over what's taught in schools. A parent's voice must be heard and respected, and we'll ensure that's the case. We're going to expand on what we've done in the past, which is give parental choice more and more, and that's going to filter into their input in school decisions. House Minority Leader Phil Giaquinta says he believes parents should have a voice in schools, but cautions against any push to make school board races partisan. There wasn't that long ago that we decided not to elect a superintendent of public instruction because uh, Republicans wanted to take politics uh, out of the classroom, so to speak. Combating rising health care costs is an item both sides say needs to be a priority, with lawmakers looking at ways to reduce prices across the system. And House leadership wants to find other ways to give money back to Hoosier taxpayers as well. Aside from the automatic $545 million tax refund going out early next year. Whether it's from, uh, as we look at, at some of our spending issues, where we invest our money, etc., I think we have to keep a sharp eye on where, this, where inflation is going. Democrats say they're not opposed to tax cuts as long as they don't hurt certain areas like local governments. Uh, there's other things that we can do with uh, targeted tax cuts. Uh, just to, to help benefit Hoosiers, then I'm certainly we'll, we'll take a look at those. 
All right, and Kristen, I know we're also watching a, a number of potentially hot topics that could emerge this year, from marijuana to the potential for new abortion laws, perhaps. Right, and the speaker said he and his caucus are watching various abortion cases in the courts very closely, and he says lawmakers are ready to take action depending on what the courts decide. But the House Minority Leader warns if Republicans take up abortion restrictions, it could hurt the ability of both parties to work together this session at the State House. The speaker is saying that his caucus is ready to act depending on what happens in the courts. Does that concern you? And, and what would your caucus do to respond to any further restrictions? Yeah, um, well, uh, you know, again, speaking for myself, I think the, the, those are the type of uh, divisive issues that we've seen in the past. And they really don't uh, help when we're trying to work together uh, as, a, um, as a work with the Republicans. That's the type of divisive issue. Um, that has hurt us in the past, um, and um, uh, I, I would hope that we wouldn't really see that type of issue come forth this session. Finally, I just wanted to ask you about this uh, push to legalize marijuana medicinally and recreationally. Do you believe either of those can actually have a chance here in the State House this session? I always get those type of questions about, is this bill going to pass? Will it get heard? You know, I really don't know the answer to that. Uh, obviously, it's up to the speaker and the committee chairs. I do, though, think it's uh, interesting that the conversation has reached a different level this year, more so than in the past. Um, and uh, we've, we've heard of talk about it in the Senate. Bills have been filed in the Senate. A few have been filed in the House over the past uh, couple sessions. Um, so it'd be uh, I think very interesting um, to have a hearing at least, uh, and then we can go forth and from there. But uh, I don't, I can't make that prediction. I, I don't know. You know, it's a short session, so it's difficult. You know, it's going to be three weeks, and we're going to be hearing Senate bills, and bill, bills will be flying out of the House. So, uh, you know, we'll just have to see. It's here. We can try to deny it, but it's here. It's here to stay, and we better get on board because I'm telling you. The incentive goes far, far down. The incentives go down if the federal government makes a move before us. You know, I've expressed my concerns in the past. They haven't changed. Uh, and I'm not, I, I also think when you make the argument about having that substantial of a public policy change just because you're trying to chase dollars uh, makes no sense to me. So I, I'm in the same place I've been. I think there's always room for discussion on that. I had a resolution a couple years ago that said, let's, let's talk about it. The feds have to react first. They got to get this off of Schedule One. Uh, I think they're moving in that direction. And so the bottom line, it still seems unlikely legislative leaders make any move on marijuana legislation this year, but we'll be following it closely. Okay, meantime, a number of other issues could get attention this year at the State House, especially as businesses continue to feel the impact of these worker shortages. Right, for sure. And that's something that came up at the Indiana Chamber's legislative luncheon this past week, as it continues to be a big concern for businesses across the state. Business leaders say the now hiring signs likely won't come down anytime soon. The Indiana Chamber of Commerce says a survey completed earlier this year found nearly three quarters of Indiana business owners say the current pool of job applicants doesn't meet their needs. One of the inhibitors right now is quality, affordable child care. During an annual luncheon with legislative leaders, Chamber President Kevin Brinegar called on the state to help families find child care. Should there be tax credits to, uh, for lower income folks to help pay for the cost of child care? And we need to perhaps generate other ideas as well. Lawmakers on both sides of the aisle acknowledge it's a problem that needs to be addressed. Like in so many different industries, the child care industry is struggling with finding people. It actually is more expensive 
for care for an infant than it is for a year of tuition at a four-year public institution college. Democratic lawmakers say the state should provide businesses with incentives to offer child care to their employees. They say another solution is to get students in school sooner. If you go in accordance with the guidelines for, for children to go to school in Indiana, you don't have to send your child to school till they're seven. Now let's say we started that at five. We've, we've got a budget surplus, we can afford it. Republicans say they're looking at the child care issue, but don't expect to consider allocating state funding until the budget is rewritten in 2023. Adding things to the, to the ongoing expenses of the state would probably not happen in the short session until we have a little longer outlook in, in, the, in where those revenues and, and long-term expenses for the state are going. Now, the chamber also wants to see the state offer incentives to bring remote workers here to Indiana to help offset the current labor shortage. All right, Kristen Eskow, thank you so much. We appreciate it. A lot of national issues, of course, impacting us here in the state of Indiana. The Hoosier State could get billions of dollars for new infrastructure projects after the president finally signed the infrastructure bill into law on Monday. Now the House also moving forward and approving his other social spending package known as the Human Infrastructure or Build Back Better bill. Trevor Shirley filed this report from our Washington Bureau on Friday. The Build Back Better bill is passed. Build Back Better is the president's $1.75 trillion social spending package. It would drastically expand Medicare, enhance the social safety net, and fight climate change. It's historic. It's transformative. It's bigger than anything we've ever done. Democrats had planned to hold the event last night until House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy took control of the floor for eight hours and 32 minutes. This is the single most reckless and irresponsible spending bill in our nation's history. Yesterday, the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office released its score for Build Back Better, determining the bill will add about $160 billion to the national debt over the next 10 years. Build Back Better is fully paid for. It reduces the deficit and grows the economy. The legislation now heads to the Senate, where it's expected to get some amount of pushback from moderate Democrats. Reporting in Washington, I'm Trevor Shirley. Trevor, thank you. Congressman Jim Banks from Fort Wayne called Friday's vote shameful. He said Democrats just cast a vote to turn our country into a socialist country. Working families will come out on the losing end as Democrats massively expand government's control over their lives, in his words. We also heard from Congresswoman Victoria Sparts. If I would summarize two bills the House just passed, so-called human and regular infrastructure, it would be screw seniors, incentivize people not to work, expand government control and take over of businesses and benefit wealthy people. Now, on the other side of the aisle, Congressman Andre Carson said the Build Back Better Act is a once-in-a-generation investment in Hoosiers and all Americans. This bill addresses many of the urgent needs of Americans and helps make our country better prepared to lead the world well into the 21st century. Well, coming up next, after several lawsuits, the federal government, for now, backing off plans for a widespread mandate requiring vaccinations or testing in the workplace. We'll hear from Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita up next. And later, crime on the rise in major cities around the country, including Indianapolis, where we're again seeing record-breaking violence. Stick around. We'll be right back. It's an initial victory for Hoosiers. We're very pleased. Uh, we have filed three uh, different lawsuits in as many weeks, so that explains the bags under my eyes a little bit. Uh, we're working very hard at the Attorney General's office to preserve um, the individual rights and liberties of Hoosiers. 
and OSHA backing off, again, is an initial victory in that direction. Attorney General Todd Rokita talking about the news that OSHA is now putting its mandate for vaccination or testing on hold, at least for now. We'll have more of that interview next week. But right now, let's bring in our panel today with us on Zoom. Democratic strategist Laura Beck, 2016 vice chair for the Indiana Trump campaign, Tony Samuel. And here in studio, former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy and former state party chair for the Indiana Democrats, Robin Winston. Good to see you all. Robin, I want to get your response to the AG there at a time where COVID cases are definitely back on the rise again here in our state and across the country. Well, it shows the Biden administration is using common sense. I mean, you know, they worked with employers, they listened to people instead of just moving down the line, but also for now is the key word. And we can always make that adjustment as more and more people are masking up, more and more people are going to get their booster shot, more and more people are taking advantage of what's out there to combat COVID, Maybe you back off a little bit. It's no different than the administration's talked all along. We'll respond to the needs of the people. Boosters now available uh, for everybody for 18 everybody. and up. Yeah, Mike, as we mentioned earlier, the battle between the governor, the attorney general, and the legislature, that's going to go to the state Supreme Court in the spring. And now there's also this negotiation kind of playing out publicly here, whether the governor will end the state's emergency declaration if he can get lawmakers to meet some of his stipulations first. Well, I think to kind of echo what uh, Robin said, our governor has been managing the COVID crisis uh, almost in a genius fashion. Um, he's, he's put uh, requirements in place or requests in place when needed, but at the same time, he's let the science dictate the policy. And I think now he's in a position where he's gonna be able, because things are getting better here, to kind of let the let the uh, foot off the gas pedal, so to speak. Hopefully they, they do get better here after the holidays. Seems like, for, at least for the time being, maybe they're, they're getting a little worse. We'll see. Laura, we've also got a lot of talk at the State House about school board elections, a move to make them partisan on the ballot, possible abortion bills, and also uh, this effort to try to legalize marijuana. A lot going on, as there always is at the State House. Uh, what, what else are you watching for this session? Well, I'm really glad you're letting me talk about marijuana today, um, Dan. Um, I'm really <laughs> enjoying the, the ability to talk about it. Um, I think that's probably one of the bigger ones. Um, I, I definitely think we are going to see the politis politization of or the attempt to politicize school boards. Um, and I think folks in Indiana uh, will widely reject that because um, school boards are uh, such a, the schools are such a community resource in our, in our state. Um, in terms of marijuana legislation um, and legalizing marijuana, I mean, it's really, it's a no-brainer. Uh, we lose tax dollars every single day to Illinois and Michigan where it's legal and they're capture, capturing that. Um, in fact, uh, the estimates, the conservative estimates to what we would capture in revenue is $150 million every year. And so when you okay. think about that and when you think about the fact that we have uh, limited priorities often with spending, uh, what that could do uh, okay. to shore up our shore up our budgets. It's it's really something I think that we're making a lot of headway on, and it also has bipartisan support. So that's Ooh. definitely something I think that, that could be a sleeper this season. Well, we'll see what or, happens. I'm sorry, this session, yeah. not season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tony, um, you know, she mentioned bipartisan support. There's some support for it, not necessarily from Republican leadership. Will, will they eventually come around on this, do you think, in the years to come? There are a handful of lawmakers in the GOP who say they do support this idea. Yeah, and there has been uh, for a few years, and it's, it's probably growing. And uh, most of that argument for more support is based on uh, the fiscal aspect. But right now, the state's in great shape. So I, I think that takes away fiscally. So I think that takes away that argument. You still have to look at the social cost. Uh, you know, I think it's still wise to take it slow 
look at what's happened in uh, other states as, as marijuana has become uh, legal in more and more states, at the social aspects, how it's hurting folks, addiction, uh, you know, uh, uh, suicide, depression, uh, how it's affecting uh, people's lives and their ability to uh, succeed and, 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 uh, and thrive. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's the reasons uh, I, I think you, you still take it slow. I was encouraged just jumping to the previous issue discussed by the speaker, Speaker Houston's comments that parents will have a voice uh, in education. I think uh, Democrat leader uh, Phil Giaquina agreed with that. That's really important. Okay. And, and you've seen some comments lately by Jennifer McCormick downplaying uh, the need for parents to have their voice. I think she'll be running for governor. Okay. So that's just something yeah. uh, else that we need to watch, but it'll play out here in this okay. session. And, and I think it'll, you know, parents will get their chance to be heard and, and they deserve that. Robin, your response to that, I know we talked about that after the Virginia election. It, it seemed like that theme about parents, schools, something that the House Speaker hit on quite a bit on Organization Day. Well, the speaker should hit on it. Thanks to Joe Biden, there's more money than ever before for teacher raises and for our schools in Indiana. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that when you start talking about bipartisan, I mean, partisan elections for school board, that's not going to work. I mean, you don't want people running. How do you, you know, Democrat versus Republican? But it seems like something that board. could get a lot of traction. It's going to get traction. Yeah. It's going to get traction. But there are going to be parts of the state. They're going to have all one party on the school board. That's not. That's not right. Mm -hmm. We should keep them the way they are. Mike, what else are you watching for in the general assembly? This well, session? I think obviously marijuana is everybody's talking about, right. and the fact is that it's not about policy. It's all about money. Right now, the state doesn't need the money. As soon as they need it, they'll you see, you'll you'll see marijuana right on every street yeah. corner at the gas okay. stations. Laura, it was also a big week in Congress. The House uh, passing uh, the, the human infrastructure bill. The president signing the physical infrastructure bill on Monday. He says it will fight inflation. But, but will voters uh, feel that, that relief in a real way anytime soon? And politically, as we head into the midterms, will they feel the impact of these measures in their lives soon enough to overcome any other economic pain they're feeling right now because of inflation or because of higher prices they're paying at the gas pump? Well, sure. And I mean, I, I think a, a part of this is midterms are a long way away. Um, a, a year is a lifetime in politics. And I think we always have to remember that um, in an off election year, I think it's really easy to focus on, um, you know, the, the fear piece of ele fear element of it. Um, but when you really think about what these um, federal, uh, what this federal action and what the action by, by President Biden and the Congress does, I mean, we are talking about more money for broadband, for example. That translated to real terms is makes a difference for the business in Southern Indiana um, that can't sometimes do their work because their internet is not reliable. Um, it also is um, shoring up our drinking water and our uh, water systems. Uh, we don't want to be another Flint okay. in Indiana, yeah. and that's going to make sure we aren't. The other piece is it's also putting money in for renewable energy. Okay. Um, and as we all look forward, that is going to make a big difference. Yeah. So I think broadly speaking, we're going to see a, a very positive impact, okay. especially folks moving uh, forward. Tony, quickly, 30 seconds, your response to that. Yeah, Joe Biden's uh, approval numbers are tanking there in the 30s. The reasons for that are he's terrible on just about every policy across the board. We've talked about it again. Now he wants to uh, raise taxes on 
on folks and, and raised another almost $400 billion on our uh, national deficit through uh, his uh, Build Back Broke plan, as, as it's being called by a lot of folks. And it's the wrong time to do it with inflation surging. This is the wrong. Yes, it's great some of those things that Laura mentioned, but you can do it uh, in, in a much more efficient way okay. by cutting out all the social programs okay. that this bill is going to pay for. Okay, panel will be back for winners and losers coming up. Straight ahead, we're looking at the latest homicide numbers from around the state with crime on the rise in major cities around the country, including Indy, where we've seen more record-breaking violence. Stick around, we'll be back. Another record-breaking year for violence in the city of Indianapolis, mirroring a trend we're seeing in major cities around the country. We have said time after time that the gun violence challenges that our city, our city is facing uh, can't be resolved by IMPD. We as a community can beat this uh, issue as long as we're all in it together. That's Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett there discussing those record-breaking numbers. City of Indianapolis headed into the weekend just one homicide shy of its all-time record of 245. Compared to other smaller cities around the state where the numbers haven't been surging to the same degree, 37 murders this year in Fort Wayne and Allen County. Their record was 48 in 2016, 11 murders this year in the city of Evansville. Of course, this weekend we're also keeping an eye on Kenosha, Wisconsin. A lot of reaction to Friday's verdict. Kyle Rittenhouse found not guilty in the deadly shootings at a protest there in Kenosha. A case that again seemed to underline more divisions over politics, gun rights, and race in our country. We have more coverage on our website. Stick around, we're back to wrap things up right after this. A couple of turkeys from Indiana got to go to the White House this week for a presidential pardon ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday. Indiana always in the news, it seems, and once again ahead of this holiday. Let's turn to our panel now for some final thoughts. This week's winners and losers. Laura, I'll start with you. Well, my winners are the uh, members of the Cena Memorial High School football team for their appearance at Semi-State. Um, I'm so proud of them, and I'm so proud of their season. Tony. Winner is Attorney General Todd Rokita for standing up to a tyrannical Biden administration, and loser is President Joe Biden for going taking the country in the wrong direction with this Build Back Broke plan. All right, Robin. My winner is Joe Biden for building back better. And also, his numbers may be down to you, Tony, but they're not going to be down to Republican mayors and county commissioners that look for that federal support. Mike? Two winners, Pfizer for agreeing to share their formula for the vaccine with other producers, and Joe Manchin for hanging tough. 74% of his state says don't vote for Build Back Broke. We'll see what happens uh, with that Build Back Better legislation in the Senate. We'll see you again next weekend. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving.